teacher's desk. Hey there, and welcome back to the teacher's desk. This is Ivan, your host, and this is episode nine. We've been in a little bit of a hiatus for the last few months, and we are back now with a lot to talk about. If this is your first time, well, welcome. This is The Teacher's Desk, and it is a podcast that is all about teaching. It's all about learning, and it's all about, dare I say, in this point in time, the classroom. The classroom that now, halfway through 2020, looks a lot different than it did a year ago or even less than that. And this is what we talk about. Now, this isn't just a podcast to talk about what's wrong because there's a lot of things that are wrong and it could take up all of our time. What the teacher's desk is, is it's a podcast to talk about what we can do. How can we improve? What are some of the ideas and the methods that are happening in people's homes and in school districts all over the place that are working? How are we going to make the most out of distance learning? These are some of the questions that we talk about here, and as my return listeners will, will remember, I, I like to bring in professionals to interview, to talk about these things, and to hear their views and their ideas, and what they're doing. And I have some great interviews set up for this season as well. I'm counting this as season two, given the hiatus, and I'm really excited to share those with you. Now, today's episode is not going to have an interview because I'm just getting started with season two, and I want to talk about some of the concepts that I'd like to bring in. Today, we're going to talk about, well, in particular, we're going to talk about something called The Gap, and I know most of you have probably heard of The Gap, and what a teacher's job and an administrator's job is trying to close that gap. But before we get into The Gap, I want to talk a little bit about what are the core roles of education. And while I am talking predominantly about public education, we are talking about uh, parochial schools, private schools, charter schools. We're talking about the role of education for our children. Granted, college is for some students. Tech school is for other students. There are so many different directions they can go after that. But what, is, what are the core roles of education for our youth? It's actually something that a lot of people um, disagree on when it comes to that, and there's a lot of fervor and debates about that. Again, welcome to the teacher's desk. Really glad you're back. Now, as far as the ideas that we talk about here, I'm always up for new ideas. I'm always up for other concepts that perhaps I haven't touched on. So please reach out. Uh, reach out if you have anything that you want to talk about because I'm, I always want to bring in concepts that people do want to talk about. All right, so the role of education. What are the roles? What are the primary roles of education? There is a lot of disagreements on what are those roles, especially public education. Well, here, let me throw out a couple that perhaps we'll agree on. Creating free-thinking individuals. In other words, giving students the tools they need to be able to think for themselves, to hopefully think critically, to build strong citizens. When we understand how laws work and why laws happen in creating all of these structures for our society to help our society to support everyone inside of it, we need to understand how to be citizens. And part of the role of 
education is to create those citizens so that we have a strong understanding of how we fit in, what our obligations are, and what we should be getting out of it. Another role that perhaps we can agree on is to reduce those inequalities that exist between the students. And that is the gap. Now that gap can be one of so many different things. I'll give you an example. One gap that we deal with has to do with student diet. If there's one thing of, of the many things that this pandemic has shown us, one of the biggest is how vital our schools are to feeding our youth. This is one of the gaps that we aggressively try to address. Students can't learn if they haven't eaten food. They need to have the fuel in order to take in and process the information that we're giving them. They need to eat. And a lot of our students do not have what they need at home. A lot of that has to do with poverty. A lot of that has to do with, I mean, some of it has to do with neglect. Some of it, I mean, there's so many different reasons that we have so many kids that come to school hungry. And we found that when we do feed those students, when we bring them in and give them what they need, it does close the gap because it, it helps them to be in a better place to receive the education that we have to provide. And that closes the gap. There's other gaps that exist. Some of it has to do with income. Some of it has to do with cultural differences. There are so many different things. Sometimes it's between boys and girls. Sometimes it's between students of color and white students. Sometimes it's between, there's two neighborhoods that are right next to each other with schools that get the same funding, with teachers that have the same amount of education, and yet one is incredibly successful and the other is not. That is a gap. And that is something that we try to address. Now here we are in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic. And one of the things that we're seeing is new gaps. Because now a student's ability to get an, a good education in many areas relies on distance learning. On learning through a laptop. On learning through a laptop that a family might not have. Or the case that I hear a lot, there's one laptop and three or four or five people that are all trying to share it. This is a gap. How do we create equitable education? And when I say equitable, I mean, how do we provide it to everyone at the same level with the same amount of access? If we have families that are struggling to have the resources they need just to connect with the school. I mean, the way that we closed this gap before is we had the library. The library at almost every school I've ever worked at, after school and at lunch, was packed full. Students using computers that didn't have computers at home. Students using the resources of the library because they didn't have a place to work at home. I mean, this is how, one of the ways that we close the gap. And now, in this pandemic, we don't have that resource anymore. Now, I've worked in some school districts that are considered one-to-one -one, in which the school district provides electronics for the students, whether it be through a tablet or a small laptop or something of that sort. There's a lot of school districts that are not one-to-one. -one. 
which means students would be relying on whatever was at home. Now some of those schools are able to loan out electronics for those families. But this is putting a lot of pressure on a system that is already stretched very thin. So what do we do? What do we do to close that gap? What do we do? I mean, sure, can we just start throwing out laptops and increase these budgets to the point that we have what will end up being, for a lot of them, disposable electronics? That's one answer. Sure. Are there other ways that we can help these students? Because if we give a laptop to a home that isn't used to having a laptop, will it be used for the purposes that, need, that it needs to be used? Because if that family isn't trained in that discipline, and when I say discipline, if you have a large screen TV and a laptop and a tablet in your home, most likely if it's been there for a while, you've developed some sort of discipline, especially if you have children, this much television, this much game time, this much work time, etc., etc., so that those devices aren't abused. If you bring in those devices in a family setting where they have not had those devices, it's much more likely that it won't be used properly, at least at first, because they're still learning. And again, this is not putting them down. We all have to learn how to develop that discipline. When we think about distance learning, when we think about those families at home, that are trying to access the same level of education as every other student, how do we help them? How do we help the family that doesn't have the space for every child to sit down and have a spot to read, to study, to do math homework, to whatever it happens to be? Because square footage, when you have a large family and a small house, that's really, that's some pretty prime real estate to have a desk or a place at the table or something like that. How do we reduce that? How do we close that gap? How do we help those students? How do we help the students with the lack of electronics? How do we help the students that have those language barriers that had a paraeducator with them at school because their parents don't have the language skills that they need to be able to decipher, to decode these things? A lot of the gaps that existed in school now exist larger at home. Now, I would like to acknowledge that a lot of schools in the United States at this point in time in November of 2020, a lot of schools are going back in and we're starting to see some of the home-based home classroom going away in some areas. We're also seeing a rise in cases and some school districts that are closing back down again. Colleges, by and large, are not opening back up because of these cases. Wherever you live, I hope that the local government and school districts are doing their best to get students in, in a safe manner. But for most of us at this point in time, it looks like distance learning is going to be a part of our lives for some time. So these gaps are things that need to be addressed. We need to talk about them. We need to come up with ideas of how to close those gaps and how to do it in a safe way so that when we do emerge from this looking a little different than we did before when we do emerge from this we have all been learning through that time and we don't have pockets of students all over the place that are now going to struggle because they've regressed they haven't continuously learned i'd like to address something that 
teachers are always trying to do. We scaffold our lessons to create momentum. We start with simple concepts, things that can be grabbed and harnessed easily. And then we start adding and then we start adding more and then they, they get it and we create conflict and we create difficult scenarios so that they struggle because if they use something they know to struggle, then they learn, they hold on to what they discover. This has to do in large part about momentum. When, when things shut down in March for most people in the United States, one of the biggest worries was that we were going to lose momentum. That period of time in the school year between March and end of May or June, the end of the school year, those months are crazy because of the amount of momentum that has been picked up. Now, most schools, you start in late August or September and things start a little slow. People are getting back into what's going on. And I'll talk about the problems with quote unquote summer vacation in a little bit, but the momentum's just getting started. Now, one of the difficult times is coming into December and getting that holiday break, getting that break between close to between the two halves of the school year. And for a lot of students, that's two weeks. And for even more students, there's a little bit shaved off on either end of that. So it ends up being sometimes as much as three and a half weeks of time away from school. So that momentum gets slowed down. Students return in January and teachers are trying to get them moving at the same momentum they were. And usually it takes a little bit of catching up. But then somewhere in February and March, then that momentum starts moving again. And then you get that momentum and you want to charge through to the end of the year. You want to finish at that highest point of momentum where those students are passing those finals, are creating those final projects, are doing their best work because the momentum is at the highest. We as educators are setting them up to succeed. So when this pandemic hit last year, a lot of schools, a lot of school districts went to a pass fail system. No more GPA, no more 3.5 versus 2.5 versus 3.9. It was about pass fail. Why? Because the most important thing was momentum. Keep them learning. Don't let this drop. And I've heard a lot of really great successes. They were struggles. They were difficult. In some ways, they were heartbreaking. A lot of students fell through the gap. But so many school districts were able to keep that momentum. They were able to keep that going to the end of the year. Now, that momentum that I talk about has a lot of obstacles. Breaks that are too long, like sometimes the midwinter break. If you let the momentum go before the end of the break and you don't pick it up on the other end, that can be really difficult. Spring break can be the same thing, though that usually tends to be one week instead of two. Then we have summer. Summer break. The school year was developed for many communities that they were farming. And in the summertime, from about May until about September, those kids needed to go home and work. They needed to be there. They needed to put in that labor to help their family succeed. So these school years were developed for that. How many kids are doing that now? 
Because when you talk about momentum, when you talk about stopping for two months, two and a half months, in some cases close to three months, and then come back, there's very little momentum that can be kept up. Now, am I here to tell you that we should stop with summer breaks? There's a lot of good that comes out of summer breaks. And when I taught debate, this was actually a very fun prompt to have students argue, which is moving to an alternative schedule. And we started debating what are the positives and negatives of having a summer break. And there's a lot of positives. Those are the months that a lot of families are able to take the time to spend it with each other. And this is great. And that's very important to a family structure. Another one is, especially for older students, student employment, students that are able to work and actually go out, have a job and learn what that is like to create their own income, to start learning how they can be effective, efficient, trustworthy. This is an important thing. And working during the school year doesn't work for all students. So there are definitely good things about summer break, but I go back to that point about momentum. We always try and keep that momentum up. Now in distance learning, this is a big struggle. How do we create and maintain momentum through the school year? Distance learning can be exhausting in ways that in-person learning just doesn't match up. Sure, getting up at 6.30 in the morning and getting ready and going to school and being there until after everything's all said and done, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, that's exhausting too. But constantly signing in and reading through posted comments and assignments and getting things done, there's, that's exhausting too. And I think it's pretty clear that all of us at this point in time in 2020 are feeling serious fatigue, what some people have been calling pandemic fatigue. We want it to be over. We're tired of the Zoom meetings. We're tired of talking to people with a mask on. We're tired of having to stay away. We're really tired of it. I, I totally agree. So what do we do? What do we do to keep that momentum? And what do we do to keep those kids that aren't jumping in on the momentum? How do we pull them back in? How do we engage those students? The ones that we would normally say, hey, let me have five minutes with you after class. Or do you mind coming in for lunch? Uh, I, I'd like to talk to you about your progress in this class. Or whatever it happens to be. There's so many things that we were able to do before and we can't do now when it came to that momentum and getting kids back on board and pulling them away from that gap. So you've been listening to The Teacher's Desk. This is episode nine. We are getting back into this and this season we're gonna be talking about how do we close this gap? How do we close the new gaps that are arising or the old gaps that are made more difficult by this pandemic? How do we get every kid educated despite a pandemic, despite erratic weather patterns, despite all of this stuff? How do we engage with students in distance learning to ensure every single one of them has the same access to that education? This is not something that we're going to solve on this podcast, 
but I do believe there are some good answers out there. I think there are some good ideas out there. I think that there are people that are trying new things and in some ways succeeding. We have been thrust into a very difficult situation when it comes to teaching and learning and especially when it comes to public school in urban, suburban, and even rural areas, we're in a different world and we're trying to, and we got to keep trying new things. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to bring in people that have these ideas and I want to talk to them and hear what they have to say because the gap is real and the success of an educational institution depends on closing that gap. It is so important for a school to accommodate every student and that relies on closing that gap and engaging with every student. Okay, everybody. Thanks again for listening. This has been the teacher's desk. I'm Ivan, your host. If you have people in your life that could benefit from this podcast, if you know parents that are setting up classrooms at home, if you know other teachers that are struggling or that have good ideas, turn them on to this podcast. Subscribe to the podcast, turn other people on to it, spread the word, get people engaged in talking about what we can do for education. I don't have all the answers, but I have a platform here and I want to bring in people that might have some of those answers. I want to hear from people that have those ideas and that care enough to try new things. We are in a different world. We want it to be over, but until it is, we have to succeed here. We owe it to the students. We owe it to our children and we owe it to ourselves. This is our profession. This is what we do. We teach and we teach despite the obstacles that are in front of us. Again, this is Ivan and thank you very much for tuning in. I look forward to hearing your thoughts until then you guys take care of yourselves. This has been the teacher's desk. Bye.